0: Welcome back to another deep dive edition of Silo by Story Archives. The official, Zach, what is it?
1: Number one podcast for Silo by Story Archives. Yes, sir. And by the way, y'all,
0: not just on Apple and Spotify. We're also on YouTube now. So if you are ever wanting to sit in your living room and look at a beautiful thumbnail and listen to our podcast while you're having a glass of whiskey or water or as Bobby Boucher would say, quality H2O. Um, <laughs> you can find us on YouTube now, too. Thank you, Zach, for
1: spearheading the YouTube efforts. Not a problem. All of our future episodes should be on YouTube shortly after they are on all of the other platforms. So keep an and eye out for that.
0: by episodes, Zach is referring to not only our silo series that we're doing here, but we also have an entire series review of Peaky Blinders. We have like 40-something episodes, if you love that show. If you didn't know that about us, we love gang related shows. In fact, Zach just purchased the entire Peaky Blinder seasons that are available on Apple on the I Apple did. store right now. And he's about to rewatch it again for like the 17th time.
1: I did. And I also uh, was at Total Wine today and I found a uh, Bushmills Irish whiskey that is a special edition for Peaky Blinders. This is all mm. coincidental. I did not anticipate any of this happening. I didn't wake up today saying I'm going to go buy something Peaky Blinders. But I went there saw the whiskey and then I... For some reason, went on Apple and looked it up and I'm like, I can finally buy it. So, I got that too.
0: I planted the bottle of Bushmills at the Total Wine so that it would Mm. inspire you to spearhead the Peaky Blinders uploads to YouTube. There you go. That was me. I also petitioned Apple for months. This this has been a long play on my part. All right, Mm. pal? Okay. They don't call me the janitor of soapbox for for no reason. (laughs) They call me about stuff like this. Yeah, I'm just kidding.
1: Well, I'm, I'm right. still waiting on, on season six, so hopefully that gets up there soon, and then maybe that, there's a, a movie coming. That's a deep, that's a deeper motive. I, I yeah, got it. yeah. okay. Anyways, right, sure. uh,
0: on top of the Peaky Blinders series, we also have done a Last of Us season one review, episode to episode. If you're interested in dystopian, sci-fi, fantasy type stuff like that, as well as our new series on Wednesdays, following the Foundation, we're covering season one of the Foundation. That you can find on Apple TV before season two premieres on July 14th, which I am looking very much forward to. Same. You All did. Right.
1: You did miss one though. We also have a full episode to episode review of Lupin from Netflix. You weren't supposed to mention that one, Zach. Sorry. It's. I mean, we have it.
0: All right. It's true. Okay. We'll get to that later. That premieres in October. Part two of whatever they're calling it. They're doing it weird. So. All right, let's get into the deep dive. Everyone's bored of everything we're talking about at this point. All right? Let's get into my favorite episode of season one of Silo so far, titled The Relic.
1: So, I have to mention it on this because I mentioned it on the instant reaction, but I did call what The Relic would be. It is the Pez dispenser that is being used as bait. Is that, that one of our prop bets? <laughs> so I I'm God, not going to say it's a, it's, a, it's a bet. It's not a whiskey bet. It's not a whiskey bet. <laughs> but okay. I, I did predict it. It was a prediction. Have yeah. we set up it our bets right. for the whiskey prop
0: bet of Silo Season 1 yet?
1: I took notes on what they were. I'll have to go find them afterwards. Okay. Maybe
0: we can pull them up at the end of this episode and, and check in on what our predict, how our predictions are doing so far. And um, I would love to cash in on another bottle of whiskey. So, Peaky Blinders edition. Okay, well, that sounds good to me. All right, we open up if we can get past the title sequence here, which I'm going to start looking at this title sequence a little bit more in detail now that I know uh, it's been confirmed in this episode. We know why Holston's been leaving the note for double the flowers by the mirror (laughs) uh, because it turns out that behind the mirror, there are these men who are watching everybody in the silo. And I've got to say, there's not enough men manning those computers, if you ask me. Two guys, just two guys. Yeah, Who seem to have known to be looking at the sheriff's monitor. Maybe because Sims is the guy who they're going to alert about this. Maybe he put them on high alert regarding Juliet.
1: The question I have is, are there monitors in every room in the silo? Or are there monitors in certain rooms? People that Sims, judicial, whoever wants to be taking a closer look at.
0: I got to say this. There's no way I'm moving and I'm like inheriting an apartment and I'm not, you know, camera proofing the mirrors. Like, have you ever seen the movie uh, Bad Times at the El Royale? Yes. Love that movie. It's a good movie. Uh, They pretty much allude in that movie uh, that JFK, like one of the things about the El Royale, and I think this is maybe a historical thing as well, uh, that JFK would take his mistresses there. And that they had cameras behind the mirrors. And so he was being blackmailed with like sex tape footage of his escapades at the El Royale. If I'm completely wrong on this, what a thing to be wrong about. But um, (laughs) I'm almost positive that was a plot point in the bad times at the El Royale. But nonetheless, I've been paranoid at hotels far before that movie where I look at a mirror and I just wonder to myself, what if there's just people back there? You know? Yeah. Is that just me? Or like in the air vents, you know, like maybe there's a camera in the vent. Looking at I've,
1: me. I've thought it occasionally. Yeah? I don't think I've ever seen uh, a mirror that has actually been see-through. But, you know, it, it does it does cross my mind every now and then.
0: Yeah, I'm just making sure I'm not alone. But I'm just saying. No, you're not. I would have thought it. Maybe I would have broken the glass inside of the apartment just to see. We can replace the mirror cheap.
1: That's a little suspicious, yeah. though. And, you know, I don't, I don't think she would... Have her guards up that much? Getting in here, Mm. yeah. Like, 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 yes. A little suspicious if you're doing something weird. But you just walked into a new apartment. You're not doing anything. You haven't found anything. You're not looking at any information yet. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't go bust the mirror right away. I'm not gonna
0: say right away. But if the one note you find from the sheriff who just walked outside to clean was double the flowers by the mirror. Don't you think you should inspect the
1: mirror or the at least the vase? That, absolutely, yes. Because I, I still don't know, like, is it just to hide the camera? Is it, you know, a hint that, you know, there's something behind the mirror? Not 100% sure.
0: Well, that's the hot topic in this episode. I mean, we had um, we had a gentleman on, on Instagram uh, DM me saying, I've been refreshing your feed. I need to know what's going on and what are your thoughts on this silo episode? By the way, incredible Baker. Uh, let's give him a shout out. Uh, what is it? Uh, let's give him a,
1: uh, I you know mentioned it to it. me earlier. It was... Let me, let me see if I got it. Rudy Poots.
0: Let's give a shout out to, to his business. Let's give a shout out. Let
2: me see where he's at. Go are my messages here? Um, Sorry, Instagram app's being slow right now. That's totally fine. Rudy... Say
0: something, Zach. Well, I'm looking for. Our okay, bets. got it. Never mind. It took too long to say something. Rudy Poots Cafe. Look That's him up right. on IG, rudypoots.com. An incredible baker. I've never tried the cakes, but I don't know if I've ever seen more decorative cakes. And I don't know. I don't know. They, they're they up there with anything I've seen. So give them a, give them a call. There you go. That's all <laughs> I'm saying. Rudy Poots, you got some free marketing right there. Let's get back to the show. But uh, yeah, that is the hot topic. We're going to talk more about the uh, the double-sided mirror with the cameras behind it, which apparently you get this ominous look at the glass as Juliet's leaving the apartment to go investigate the pest dispenser. But yes, before we get there, we got to talk about some things because apparently George Wilkins might be a player. It's might possible. Might be a player. I don't think he is.
1: No? I, I'm going to... A good player. I'm going to let you know his next move, guy. Zach. I mean... He's, he's playing <laughs> chess. I just don't think he's
0: uh, he's a player. Upon, upon rewatch of the episode, I will say that every George scene makes him look like he's motive inspired. Um, they never, every time she's pretty much gushing her feelings towards George, George mm-hmm. does not reciprocate verbally. Mm. Interesting. Interesting. He seems to be head over heels for her, but mm, after everything you hear from Regina... Makes you wonder just a little bit. I wanted to make note of something you mentioned in the instant reaction that George has the seashell tattoo that they find in the travel uh, guide to Georgia. Mm-hmm. George is getting some free marketing too. Yeah. Um, that, thats the state. Would you know? Would that be the state that you see the travel book from? Maybe. Is, yeah. that, is that where the silo is?
2: Maybe. If I had to guess, maybe
0: hmm yeah i wouldn't have guessed georgia by the outside of the silo
1: but no i mean that's either. just but who knows what it looks like i mean you can't tell much from the outside of the silo
0: i sure wouldn't have said florida there's too many no, hills there, yeah
1: there's too many hills unless, unless unless that's a landfill
0: back there as a floridian <laughs> i can say this confidently um unless it's like the middle of florida maybe like if you've ever been like ever ah, been, been to like Oviedo. there's like some hills over there all I, right i still don't think it'd be from florida Go for it. What's Did up? you notice that on top of the seashell tattoo, Juliet has this wicked scar on her neck. It's like a cut across her neck. And I don't know if that's something with her character or just a scar maybe that Rebecca Ferguson has. But I'm sure they would have covered it up if, um, if it wasn't something significant to her past
1: in some way. I didn't recognize it, no. Yeah.
0: Maybe I saw it. Like, maybe I mistakenly saw it. But I could have swore I saw a scar on her neck that, that he was kind of, like, caressing.
1: I mean, but, she, she does have some wild tattoo. It's very... Yeah, her tattoos like, are dope. Her tattoos yeah. are really cool. It's like a new take on tribal tattoos.
0: Yeah, I like them. I like them. I'm not going to lie. The line coming across her knuckles, everything, mm-hmm. I think that's really cool. It's badass. Yeah, I agree. Um, Getting down to really the crux of the episode, which is that she's trying to lay bait to open up this investigation into George's suicide, so to speak. But it's really a murder. My main question here is, first and foremost, you can take your victory lap here, Zach, with your knowing the Pez dispenser was going to be the bait. Thank you, Andrew. I just, I couldn't picture the Pez dispenser continuing to be... It was the punch-in
1: at the end of the last episode that got me. It's true. like, it had
0: to be that. It's truly the equivalent of the purple teddy bear in the bottom of the pool in Breaking Bad. Like, that is <laughs> what this Pez dispenser is to this to this season right now like you just never know that that it was going to be as important as it possibly was Mm -hmm. but she is successful in planning the evidence in her apartment coldly setting billings up to be the fall guy in a way here right because he's the one who discovers it it's a very smart move and she continues to be very deft at playing this political game Mm -hmm. she very much knows like how to play Sims and Meadows and whatnot. And I'd say Meadows and Bernard are kind of in the same category of, of individual. Yeah. Um, but I'm a little bit suspicious as to why the decision was here in this episode to make Meadows look as worried as she, as she does when she's looking out the window as Juliet's approaching
1: Judicial. Well, I mean, you you did kind of have a little theory on that when we were doing the instant recap. Mm -hmm. So, towards the end of the episode, we do get a snippet uh, or we really punch into a photo in the workshop. It's, I believe, Martha when she's younger with some other woman. Yes. And the assumption is maybe that other woman is Judge Meadows here.
0: Yeah, it is a young black woman, but I just didn't see... I didn't see the similarity to, to Meadows, like, fa- like facial features. I didn't see any similarities in terms of what uh, Meadows looks like.
1: I don't either, but I also don't have anybody else to
0: compare it to yet. True, true. We'd have to see, um, you know, more people in the silo in order to really know. Also to maybe know a little bit more about Martha's backstory. But I, you know, I want to know why she's like locked in the workshop every day of her
1: life. What happened?
0: Well, we talked about it in the instant reaction that we that we do on Fridays. Mayor Johns did mention to her, "Hey, you know, I always thought you you and her were were, um, were good for each other, you know." So, but mm-hmm. they never said. Actually, we never got the name. Yeah, I I could not find the name. We need to get the name. That was from episode one, I believe, or two. No, episode one. Episode one. No, if you're episode talking two. about
1: the episode where they travel down, episode that would two. be episode two. Okay.
0: I have a feeling that this has a little bit to do with the forgiveness holiday that's outside with Meadows looking out the window because Bernard requests deputies everywhere in the silo in the previous episode when he says the forgiveness holiday. Mm-hmm. And I was expecting something like in the Matrix, like, you know, when people are partying, partying like, this just lewdness, just, just kind of like this debauchery going on in the Matrix where everyone's just like yeah. in this cave partying. I was expecting the Forgiveness Holiday to be something crazy, but I didn't see any sort of r- like raucous behavior in the silo in this episode. So, is the Forgiveness Holiday going to happen like next episode?
1: Me neither. It felt pretty calm. You know, I'm, I'm just happy you, you referenced the Matrix as well in this. <laughs> I haven't even watched anything past the Matrix 1, by the way. Wow. Okay. Wow. You, you should do that. I heard it was trash, like Matrix 2 and 3. Uh,
0: like, I heard it was, like, it's definitely not Matrix 1 level.
1: I'm not planning on watching the new one that came out. I do think the the first three were decent. The first one's king, of course.
0: Matrix defenders in the audience, feel free to send us your thesis on whether the Matrix 2 and 3 are, are worthwhile as sci-fi staples.
1: You know, for, for a moment in the show, I was wondering if this forgiveness holiday was going to be kind of like the purge, the way that they talked about it. Like, you could do whatever you want.
2: That's what I was thinking was just
0: based off of the way that they allude mm-hmm. to certain things, you know? Did yeah. you ever hear that, um, there's a wild theory about the Matrix. First and foremost, somebody took credit for writing the Matrix and said it was stolen from them. Oh, Interesting. Uh, I believe the theory goes that the Matrix is in the same universe as the Terminator
1: or something like that.
0: Let me fact check this. Uh, Zach, say yeah, you have some fun, you, fun you, facts to the audience.
1: You should, what am I saying a fun fact about the know, show? It's up to you to determine. The Matrix. Uh, no, so we do right now have Juliet coming down and interrogating people trying to find where all of these relics had come from. Still don't really know what the whole Freedom Day is about. Or it's not Freedom Day, sorry. Got you. Okay, here we go. Go for it. Enough of your... Yeah, fine. Thanks. All (laughs) right, so here's a
0: rabbit hole we're going to dive down into for a second. Okay. A woman named Sophia Stewart claims her 1981 unpublished comic book titled The Third Eye, which was inspired by her own faith, formed the basis of not one, but two of the most popular sci-fi franchises of the 20th century. The Matrix and Terminator. According to Stewart, she says, Terminator starts from the front of my book to the back. She said back in 2014, The Matrix starts from the back of my book and works its way to the front. They are moving in two opposite directions. My book was separated into two. The Third Eye is an epic. My book spans three time frames the past, the present, and the future. Those films do the same. So, The Terminator is the prequel to or the beginning of The Matrix. Sarah Connor is actually Neo's mother. So JC, so JC, John Connor is Jesus Christ and he grows up to be Neo. They're one and the same. The Matrix is in the future. The Terminator is the past. It's time travel, past, present, future. It's the second coming of the Christ, the evolution of consciousness, man versus the machine. The Terminator machines hear that the child is going to be born that's going to terminate them in the future when they oppress man. It's man versus the machine, it's God's children versus man's children, which was technology. So the Terminator has to time travel to the past because they know it's Sarah Connor and they have to kill her, terminate her so she won't have the baby. Kyle Reese, he comes from the future to protect her and he inadvertently gets her pregnant. He has to go back to the future and that's the Immaculate Conception because now she's pregnant and she fell in love with the man but did it really happen? Did he exist? And then this child, when you see the three Terminators, the boy and then the man, subconsciously, he doesn't know why the Terminator is trying to kill him until he's hidden out in the city, in the Matrix, the future. Cool? They wake him up to his purpose, they take him to Morpheus to train him to fight those machines, they take him to the Oracle because of the prophecy. This is the whole epic story. It's an epic.
1: It's pretty I've crazy. I've got to rewatch them all now. Now she says, that. she says she says
0: <laughs> they say her claims were disputed in a legal battle. Yeah. But it is it is an interesting connection, I will say that.
1: I have to rewatch them. It it, it has been years since I've seen The Matrix or Terminator for that matter.
0: Yeah, it's it's. I think if it would be really cool if that was the case to rewatch them. Yes, I'm all, I'm also ashamed to say I haven't watched all the Terminators. That is actually something I'm ashamed of as a as a cinephile. It's the first
1: three. I, I could care less about the newer Terminators, the newer Matrix movies. Mm-hmm. I'm sure some people are gonna give me some hate for that, but it's the first three of the Matrix, the first three of the uh, Terminator series that I think are the ones worth watching. And mm-hmm. if you if you really like them, keep going.
0: So, I have like but a, core, at least watch those. a core memory as a, as a child. My dad had these laser discs and the, one of the movies that he would constantly replay was Terminator 2. Mm. I think it's Terminator 2 when Arnold shows up to the, to the biker bar and he takes the, the jacket and the glasses. I think that's <laughs> is that Terminator 1 scene. or 2.
1: I want to say that that's 2. Okay. But it has okay. been a long time. All right. Okay. Well, where so we I, I'll, I'll reserve the right to be wrong. Uh, the forgiveness day, not freedom okay. day. Forgiveness day. Yeah, we went on a rabbit hole there. Okay, just a little bit. I, at first, I thought
0: Meadows was going to drop dead on us in this episode when she said she didn't feel well because <laughs> she was. She looked like she had all of the symptoms that John's had, and I was like, Is she really going to die right now and start like choking the mouth. on her own blood? Yeah. It also felt like Sims calls the shots in that office.
1: The way Sims was interjecting whenever she would speak. He feels every time I've seen them together, I've had that. I've had that opinion. It feels like he's really the one in charge.
0: Yeah, which would take us to that theory that there's a, sec, a separate department that is above all of these departments, janitorial, so to speak. <laughs> that is really the the people who are protecting everything and explains his little monologue in the last episode before he throws Douglas Trumbull over the over the railing. Yeah. It would.
1: Yeah. I don't, I don't know if this is like what I would consider a separate branch. More so like a uh, specialist department of judicial, maybe. Do you think Billings
0: knows to the extent that judicial was involved in John's and Marins and Wilkins' death?
1: No, I don't. I don't think he's that close. I think the only people that really knew were Sims...
2: And Trumbull. I have a feeling he
0: knew, he knows to a certain extent that Trumbull was involved in Martin's murder and that Sims knows because of the way he protects Juliet in this episode. Mm. But I, I did wonder how much he's in the know with the goings on, the going ons of Sims.
1: So this can, episode... Can you pause for a second here? Yeah, I was going to say this episode really makes me feel much better about Billings. A lot, and right? I, well, I mean, in the last episode, I kind of thought that he was really shady, right? Like, definitely not one of the good guys. Again, didn't think he was, you know, evil or anything like that, but I didn't trust him. This episode makes me trust him a lot. And getting the bit of his personal life... I just find it hard to believe that he would know that much about what happened with Marnes and Johns and Trumbull. He just seems like too much of a nice guy from what I get towards the end of the episode.
0: If I had to give my interpretation of what I think is going on with Billings, I think he knows something's up with Trumbull because of the way he walks into the office in the previous episode. Hmm. and says, I need something, and he, we don't find out what he asks Sims for. That is still a plot point that we haven't covered yet. Mm, true. I think that he is trying to play the political game for the benefit of his own family and for himself, um, but he's getting in a little bit over his head, so maybe he's going to be a sort of double agent that says, you know what, I'd rather not die because I have a daughter that I love and a wife that I love, And I'd rather just survive a bit and not have to deal with Sims because I'm almost certain that this bastard killed Trumbull. You know, (laughs) think about it. There's just no way Trumbull's committed suicide. And I think everyone and their mother knows that Trumbull was killed, Mm -hmm. which is why I think Meadows is so concerned in this episode. I think when she finds out about the investigation again about Trumbull, she said, isn't this all done with already? I think she wants the door to be closed so bad because if it if they open the door and air the dirty laundry, judicial is going to look so horrible, and it may cause the entire silo to just just throw the whole silo into chaos.
2: Yeah, I could see that.
0: Okay, so Sims does sign off on the investigation after all. After there's some subtext, him you know calling her out, saying this pez dispenser definitely didn't belong to Trumbull. And makes you like kind of raise your eyebrows like, okay, pal, how do you know that? Mm -hmm. Uh, But then she throws it back at him saying, I know you're you're not as clean as you make yourself out to be. And your good buddy Trumbull, the murderer, um, maybe you had a little bit to to know or do with it, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Well, she does visit Kennedy to find out more about the relics. And Kennedy gives up a name of Regina Jackson? Regina Jackson, correct? I believe. I'll double check yeah. the last name. believe it's Regina Jackson, who is a rat or pretty much an informant to judicial. So the reason Kennedy gives up her name is because it's the only name he is safe to give up without being, you know, pretty much without fear of getting killed or reassigned or his life ruined, so to speak, his livelihood taken away
1: from him. Her name is Regina Jackson. That is correct on the last name. Yes.
0: I wanted to make a point that when we first see Regina, and I only picked this up on the rewatch, these are the little details that you don't get on the first watch. She speaks to her cat and she says, soon, baby. Hmm. Which makes me wonder what is she alluding to that's coming soon? Because the cat is like kind of, she's like reading that the cat's a little bit nervous or not feeling well. She says, soon, soon. So what does she know that's about to happen or what is she going to do? that she would say to the cat soon. Because as we learn more about Regina, she's tormented and and, uh, traumatized by this mysterious figure who knows everything in the silo and who shows up at her bed, like literally at the foot of her bed and threatens every single person in her family for information.
1: I still think that she's talking about Sims, by the way. I also believe it's Sims.
0: I Part of me hopes it's not Sims, but... The way he acts, the way we know he's behind almost every significant murder we've seen on screen, or at least know the details of said murders in each one of these episodes, makes it very difficult to believe that he's not the guy that those two computer monitors, um, is that, what should we call those guys at the end? The ones who are monitoring all those computers?
1: I mean, you would think they were part of the IT department or something, but... Security? Security, I don't know.
0: Yeah, I think I guess security, silo security. The way that that... Let's actually talk about that later. I want to talk about the actual room that they're in and some of the observations I made about the room.
3: Mm.
2: We did get an interesting
0: email from Dan, Dan from Sweden that we'll bring up, or just remind me to bring it up at the end. It, he does make a great point about two things in the episode. Uh, one of them I'll bring up now, and then the second we'll bring up later. Okay. He goes, okay. He does admit, he says, all right, firstly, I'll admit that you might have a point on beefing up the police force. Clearly, the current <laughs> staffing level isn't enough. Thank you, Dan. I appreciate you. Appreciate you for that. The humility there. All right. Two other comments. He says, "One. this is the one we're going to share for now. I think they mentioned in an earlier episode that it takes a day to travel down and a day to travel up. So Juliet's two-day break was basically just walking the stairs for 98% of the time. Yes, he is right. Yeah. But in the books, they make a way bigger deal about how long it takes to go from the top floor to the bottom. And in this show, I feel like that's kind of a plot hole because we oftentimes see Billings go from the top floor to the 17th floor where he lives Hmm. pretty like pretty quickly. They make it seem like it happens. Within, Like he's able to get to lunch and back within the same day type of thing, which yeah. if, if the sheriff's office is on the top floor, which it is, that would be floor one or floor 144, mm-hmm. depending on how they number it, then he's going all the way down to 17 in order to um, actually maybe- Let's assuming they don't start at one at the top. And maybe it's one down. at the top and 17 is what he walks to and maybe there is no plot hole.
1: Maybe. I I don't think we've seen any information that kind of tells us the, the order of the floors. We just have them divided into the down deep, the up top, and the mids. Yeah, we can resume. Sims has this interesting red room that just
0: reminds me of Squid Game, completely reminds me of Squid Game, which I can't wait for season two of Squid Game, and I think it's a story archives necessity that we cover that series. In fact, I would love to do a, a squid game season one. To be honest, but
1: well, I've, I've still got to watch season one. I've, I've watched the first episode. I haven't made it farther than that. What? I know it's not because I didn't like it. I just <sighs> had other things to get through. <laughs> I love it. Love it. Okay, he. We find out that
0: judicial has this 140 year. Relic database, which I find interesting that they use the little the little red baggies for the relics have like yeah. this nuclear hazard.
1: Yeah, I I wanted to to comment on that as well. Um, when we saw the the Pez sitting next to Juliet when she was, what at at the desk or yeah, you know, at her bed. Yes, again makes me think that this is post like a nuclear fallout. I, I just think it's more evidence of that.
0: I have a theory that the reason they emphasize this room so much is because it's going to have to be a room that either Juliet or Billings breaks into at some point in this season. They emphasize the room so much that it makes me think that it's going to be a critical location later in the
1: series. I mean, it has a lot of answers. I mean, even to what this Pez dispenser is. A Pez dispenser. Did
0: you get that same impression that I did that this is going to be
1: like this room is going to be a can't. can't, If if it wasn't going to be, there'd be no point in showing it the only thing that he should have done was just pull up his computer and type in this yeah. device, like yeah. like that's it. But part of the, me yeah, wish there's answers part, in that room we need to find.
0: Yeah, part of me wish that the room wasn't just right behind his chair; that it was sort of a hidden room
1: <laughs> behind right. a library wall or something.
0: It's so stylish, though the room. It is so stylish for like a criminal. It's like a drug lockup, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah. I might have to make like a, a when I, you know, like a closet in my office at some point just full of red books and everything just to mimic this. Looks great. It'd, it'd
0: probably look more like Dexter's serial killer Probably, thing. I'm yeah. okay with that too. All right. Cool.
1: I like his lab. I like the setup.
0: It was like in his uh, shed. <laughs> yeah. he, had,
1: he had a few different places.
0: I, I never watched the latest season of Dexter. Didn't they release another season?
1: They ended Dexter and then they rebuilt. Or, uh, I guess it's not it. technically not a re- It's not technically a reboot, but they they picked it back up uh, no spoilers, a little, a little farther. I haven't watched it a little farther after. Uh, well, I'm saying don't say what the old show show. end and, of the old show. I'm, I'm not going to say anything. I'm not because it's a pretty major. It's spoiler. it's it is it's, it's a massive spoiler. Yeah. It's really it, it's a really good show. I like it. I've I've uh, driven by the uh, original location of his apartment in the past. So that was was cool.
0: Oh, in Miami. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We get a lot of George flashbacks in this episode, and we see the progression of their relationship and just how much, at the very least, that Juliet was in love with George. Although this episode revolves around that big question that George mentions, which is, what if everything you know to be true is a lie? And I think that that question holds true for even in our real lives. You know, what if yeah. everything you know to be true is a lie? You know, that is something that everyone should ponder, I think, and get down to the bottom of it for themselves so they can have peace. Well, Juliet's having to ask that question about two topics here in this episode, one of which relates to the silo and what's going on and what's the truth, right? Mm-hmm. In many capacities, like did, was George killed? And why did Holson go out? And why did he hang this file by a, a fish wire in the back of his air vent? Yeah. Among, and the other question really is, did George even love her? And why is she doing this for a man who didn't love her? And maybe, possibly, used her for her mechanical genius and yeah. ingenuity for his motives of finding out the answers of the silo. Which may or may not, I have a question about this. This is a deep dive question. We, we, Regina alludes to the fact that George lost his family. How did he lose his family? We find out mm-hmm. that that Georgia travel guide yeah. was a family heirloom passed down for generations. Right? Mm-hmm. How did he lose his family? Another person who may be connected to George, Lucas in the cafeteria that we meet later. He says, my mom once said, or my mom used to say. Mm-hmm. Or you know he's talking about his mother in the past tense. Yeah, this guy just shows up around the same time that she becomes sheriff. As and he maybe he knows about her through. I'm wondering if Lucas is George's brother or cousin or something like that.
1: I mean, you've been saying that they look related for quite a while. So
0: yeah, they got tan. They're tan and have brown hair. That's about their only similarity. Facial feature wise, they don't look the same. But in terms of just being tan and having brown hair. I haven't seen too many uh, Spanish or Middle Eastern looking people inside of the silo so far. So, is it, it wouldn't be so far-fetched to me that they could be related in some way.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, it wouldn't be surprising. I just haven't put much thought into it. I haven't seen much of Lucas yet. I still don't really know what's going on with the stars and I'm not that interested in that part of the story yet. You I might be. be at some point. He can't be random. He has to have- I don't think he's random. We know
0: nothing about his character. We we don't know what he does. Exactly. We don't know where he's from. We don't know who his people are. We don't know who his family is. We know nothing about this guy other than he's up there religiously charting these stars and possibly another type of George. Maybe he's trying to get in with the sheriff because the sheriff can give him access to things that he can't get without that sort of uh,
1: connection. Potentially. And yes, we, we don't know much about his character yet, but you know, it's it's been two or three episodes of just like a like ten second snippet of him just doing nothing really important. So like I, I wanna I'm gonna get to wherever that's going to see what's actually I guess going on with the stars and with his whole backstory. Let me tell you,
0: George is uh I mean, he has quite the effect on women because this is years after and Regina is clearly not over George, mm-hmm. and Juliet. I mean, she took on a whole job to to avenge this guy.
1: <laughs> so this
0: guy's wrecking some serious havoc from floor to floor in the silo. I got to say,
1: yeah. Well, I mean, he has been involving them in some pretty serious crimes. Yeah.
0: What did you think about Regina? Just introducing her in this way and. Do you think that she's reliable, or do you? What do you think, just in general first impressions with her character and how she may play a role as the show goes on?
1: I think she's angry. Uh, I mentioned in the instant reaction that, she, that her character just comes off to me as like the the old ex girlfriend. I don't know that she's going to play much more of a role in the show. I feel like her role has been played. Two, right? like to, we we yeah. we end this with her. Handing over the most valuable piece of information, the most valuable relic that she had, which judicial and others don't even know about. Right. So that must be pretty, pretty rare. Hands it over to Juliet. I don't know which, what more she has to contribute to this.
0: I did find her arc interesting that she goes, she's so standoffish towards Juliet and rude when she first meets her. Right. So mm-hmm. like uh, she's like, it's like the wife talking to the mistress type of vibe. Right. Yeah. Um and they know it, you know, it's like that sort of thing. <laughs> I just I found it interesting that she could go from that rude to um, let me give you my prize possession he, like in, in a span of a half a day. I found yeah. that I found that interesting.
1: Yeah. I mean Juliet does try to to relate with her and has a one on one visit uh later on. It is a it is a pretty quick turnaround, though. Yeah. Change of fire, whatever you want to call it.
0: Let's get to the big three meetup. Let's get to Bernard Sims and Juliet talking in, in the sheriff's department. Because I personally think that there's a, there's a pivot occurring here between Juliet and Billings. And Julie, although last episode, Billings was a weasel the whole time, mm-hmm. in this episode, I, I personally think he can't expect Juliet to trust him. Based off of the, how he's acted, let's not play, let's not act like he wasn't trying to take her job last episode. Yeah. Okay, he was, and totally I'm sure still wants it.
1: Job. By the way,
0: yeah. So, like, don't play the whole, you know, play the world's smallest violin here, saying you're the sheriff, Juliet, and you won't trust me. You're like, relax, man, relax. You literally were just gunning for my job. Don't, act, don't play stupid. Don't play innocent. You're yeah. getting on our good side.
1: You, you've been helpful. But, it takes time. Come on.
0: These young bucks always just jumping up to the sheriff's office, expecting full trust out the gate. You got to work it, pal, mm-hmm. over time. It's like a double agent. We don't know anything about this man.
1: What do you think about Bernard and this whole scene?
0: I go back and forth on Bernard. Bernard. All the time. First, I want to say Tim Robbins kills this role. He's just so good as Bernard. Yes. Uh, He out-acts everybody in this scene, in my opinion, specifically (laughs) Sims. Uh, Just he, in terms of just the embodiment of this character. Uh, There's so much not being said, but that's being said in this scene. That's why I love it. Mm -hmm. You have Sims who is very vocal about trying to get Juliet out, but saying a lot of things you know, subtly to her. Essentially saying, I know you had an unsanctioned relationship with George and you're just interested in that because of that. This because Mm of that. And she's pretty much throwing it back at him about his involvement with Trumbull. And I think Bernard's looking at it. That's why he's sitting between the middle of them, right? Even the way they block his character, the way he moves on the screen. He's literally equidistant to both characters from his perspective, right? Mm -hmm. He sees a mystery of hers that is unsolved and he sees a mystery of Sims that are unsolved. Yeah. He sees two departments going at it, and what he sees is that he is the, like the, the middle cog who can bring these together through common um, common purpose or common interest, right? Which is, listen, you know, in my experience, some mysteries are better left unsolved. And mm-hmm. if he can say that as the impartial party, the person who has no agenda in here, then I think it holds more weight, and it's the reason why Sims backs down and Juliet backs down. Yeah. But I don't think Bernard's a bad guy. I think he's just someone who wants to maintain order in the silo.
1: I, I think that's an interesting perspective. What I is think, your take? Uh, 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 well, as I'm re-watching this, I'm kind of leaning more towards that direction than I was on, on the first one, or the, the first watch. The first time I was watching through this, you know, I thought for like a, for a moment, It felt like he was playing the the middleman, trying to balance everything and diffuse the situation. But then towards the end, it really felt like he was on the side of Sims, right? More so protecting what's going on there than anything else.
0: Yeah, I think it's, it's one of those things where Juliet can get the truth, but if she gets the truth, it will
1: destroy the silo. That's a lot of stuff to, to leave hanging on the balance, man. <laughs> just send her, out, send her out the clean. She will get the truth. I don't, I don't want them to send her out. I'm just saying.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't make you wonder though why they allow her to live, you know. Well, if, they, if, I, if IT and judicial were in cahoots mm-hmm. and they were like, she is a problem. We got to do something about this. They would just offer. But I think they're yeah. concerned about her connection to the down deep and mechanical and what that may cause. Because remember, a couple episodes back, the woman from Recycling says, you know, it's refreshing to see someone uh, from Down Deep make it, you know, that like, gives us hope that there's something, like, something right is going on. Yeah. Essentially alluding to the fact that, like, maybe there's, um, you know, like, this glass ceiling where certain, there's no class mobility. Like, if whatever class you're in, it's like a caste system, you can't mm-hmm. get out of it into a position of authority. And she represents that kind of, you know, American dream, you know, yeah. type of thing in the silo, which I think the silos effed up compared to America, <laughs> but like she is, she represents that land of opportunity type of story, right?
1: Yeah. And I mean, I definitely think that is the type of system that they have down there though. Like you you do what you're born into. Totally. There's, there's few circumstances or few situations in which that doesn't seem to happen, uh, one, her running away from her father and then two, her being picked by Holston to be the new sheriff. Outside of that, I haven't seen any, any situation where it appears that somebody has gone out and gotten a different job or, you know, chosen their own career path.
0: Yeah. I wanted to make a note of something that I caught on the rewatch as, as Billings is going back to his home there's a kind of suspicious looking guy walking about 10 paces behind him. Mm. And it's not that the guy is suspicious, it's that he's watching Billings go down the stairs. Yeah. And I've seen this a couple of times in the show where I feel like certain certain extras are watching the main characters. And it makes me wonder if there's these are spies assigned to certain people in the silo.
1: I mean, I definitely think that they're trying to make you feel that way, right? Like judicial is kind of everywhere. You don't really know who they are, right? And there's... Friends of the Silo, so I mean, I, I, it definitely makes you a little anxious whenever something's going on. You're like, oh, it, were they just listening? You know, the people sitting there on the stairs, kind of watching you.
0: Yes, yes, totally. I I agree. I want to make a whiskey bet right now.
1: A new one. Ooh, a new whiskey bet. Good thing I've got my whiskey note up.
0: Okay, I think that Juliet and Lucas hook up before the end of the first season. Are you willing to take the opposite side of this?
1: You know, (laughs) just for the hell of it, I'll take the opposite side of it. All right. All
0: right. But you don't actually believe it?
1: I could see it happening, right? Like, Like, if this were an unprovoked situation, I wouldn't bet against it.
0: All right. All right. I feel bad taking your your whiskey here if you don't. Well, agree let's with let's it see
1: what maybe she really loves George. George, maybe, is dead, maybe she pal. can't get over George.
0: George is dead. Yeah. I mean, I feel irrationally jealous on George's behalf. You know, like how dare you, you know, how dare you move on with this dweeb in the cafeteria. You know, like I feel for George because we're seeing these flashbacks.
1: You know but, who Lucas is kind of reminding me of? It's who? um the late uh, the the guy that was painting. Polly's portrait. Oh
0: gosh, we're bringing up this guy again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I Just can a see little it. bit. Okay, like, just just peaky the blinders. dynamic
1: going on. Yeah. This is
0: the Peaky Blinders reference for those who don't understand it. But it's a character who kind of just comes out of nowhere and and becomes a romantic interest. Just out of nowhere. And we don't really ever get any questions answered about this guy. Yeah. But all right, Billings at home. Possibly his most um I think this is the this is the part that won me over. This is his friend. scene, man. Yeah. This is really his scene. Uh, you see every, I honestly, this scene is a little bit tear jerky. Like when Mm -hmm. just, he's gone through a hell of a day. He's, he's been all over the silo today. Yeah, I think his syndrome is triggered by stress and certain things like that. I think possibly having to do with all the murders going on in the silo. Yeah. It (laughs) is the fact that that his, his boss completely uncovered the fact that he has a syndrome. So now she can blackmail him. In perpetuity, if she, if she was a scumbag. Oh, we know Juliet is not a scumbag. Yes. But it is leverage. And I think she holds bigger leverage on him than he can have on her with the unsanctioned George relationship. Um, yeah. He has, she has more on him than he has on her. Yeah. But that yeah. will be the, what unites them in terms of their, um, their friendship that is just destined
1: to happen. 100%. They, they both have a loaded gun pointed to their head here with... Uh... with the ammunition each of them have on each other.
0: Yeah. I absolutely love this scene though, where we see his motivations. We see his fear as a father, not wanting to pass on his, the syndrome to his daughter. Right. Seems to be a genetic thing, the way that they are um, alluding to here. But there also seems to be some sort of like, um, homeopathic remedies. Cause she says, did you, did you have a chance to have the ginger root? And he says, I have didn't have a chance today. I was being watched all day. Um, so he's tried to really manage this situation and you feel for him. Truly, you feel for him. Yeah. It's changed my mind completely. I no longer think he's a weasel. I think he is eventually going to have that that pretty much that character pivot, you know. He's he, not He a, he
1: seems to have a moral compass, right? Like like he yes. he definitely was a weasel in the last episode and he clearly like you know, kind of works for judicial Right? They, they wanted to get him in here. But he, he knows who he reports to and what he's here to do. But he does appear to have some sort of moral compass here with, with the, uh, you know, scene between Regina and Juliet. A lot, uh, you know, a lot of bad things could have happened with all of the information that was uh, transferred there. But, he, he, I mean, he, he really does seem to be coming around.
0: He does mention something. I think he feels empathy towards Juliet. Because he says to his wife, "I can't imagine life in the silo if I was all by myself." And then mm. it cuts to Juliet all by herself on her big bed. You know, yeah. And it just it puts you in her in her mindset. I'm alone. I'm in a world that I don't understand as sheriff. I have, all my friends are down deep. Uh, the love of my life is dead. And now I'm questioning whether he even you know was into into Juliet. You know all this sort of stuff that that's going on in this episode. Um. That shows things and you know, we learn more about judicial too. We learn about th- the way they prime their candidates for positions of power. They have this pact competition where every year, whoever knows the pact um, best wins an award and we, we find out that Billings won it four years in a row. And the reason yeah. I think they emphasize the pact in judicial as we know is because the pact very heavily favors judicial in oh, pretty yeah. much every process. You know? Definitely. So we see, you know, and we also have to take into account that these people exist in a world that they do not know the world outside of the silo. The pact is the Bible to them Basically, as far yeah. as we're concerned. You I know, mean, they is, swear on it. Like it's that's their what consti- she
1: got sworn in with. It's their constitution. It
0: I think the yeah. constitution is a better comparison than the Bible. It is because it's, it's what governs the silo and keeps it. If, if America were to just follow the constitution verbatim, it's kept our country together since 1776. Mm -hmm. Okay? It's been successful in doing that. If people would just listen to it and not try to bypass it, we would be fine, Mm -hmm. you know? But that's what the pact is to them in terms of their governing document. The founders are our founders, so to speak. Yeah. You know? Okay. People who were probably, you know, that's the interesting thing, right? Because I'm of the mindset that the founders of our country outside of the silo are much smarter. Like the level of education, although we have the internet, I think was a much more sophisticated education back in that time.
1: Critical uh, thinking.
0: I, that's yeah. my personal opinion, just based off of the, the writing, the vernacular, the method of speaking, the, all of it. I yeah. just thought that, you know, yeah, maybe I mean- at that level.
1: The like the internet is is great, right? Like information is at our fingertips, but there's also a lot of bullshit at our fingertips, right? So
0: I think we you have so much filter through, when you have so much information, how how can you filter the the truth? You know, yeah. yeah I mean,
1: I, I always say if everything's a priority, nothing is a priority, right? Like it, 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 there is just so much there. You have to have some sort of curriculum, something in place to like help guide you and get you the the useful stuff. I think that's you know.
0: And by the way, I think globally, in terms of like, if you said, if you spread it out across the population, I think more people know more things. They're more mm-hmm. educated by like per capita, you know, yeah. population wise, right? But in terms of like the upper echelons of, the, of academia and like the thought leaders of our time, yeah. I think back then, if you took it to the highest degree, mm-hmm. you, you know, there's a reason why we cite them still. There's a reason why we go back to freaking Socrates and Plato. Like, yes, they didn't have the internet, but they were brilliant, you know, and we still cite them in in the classics and all these things. But um, that brings up just a a good point in terms of like the pact. And maybe they did know, maybe that's the thing. Maybe it is truly dangerous outside. We don't know yet. We don't know.
1: But we do have some bets on that. Anyways, (laughs) right now, uh, you know, Juliet has left her apartment. She's out near the stairs. She's talking on the walkie-talkie to Martha. as she's going through like a lot of doubt right now with, you know, her whole relationship with George and everything like that. And, you know, Martha ends up, I I guess, giving her the right words, talking her into continuing this pursuit. The question that I was going to ask you is, you know, if, if we look at, The reasons for her getting started. I think she started by doing this for George. Do you think she's still doing this for George, or do you think this has now changed? Now she's doing this for herself. I think she's
0: always done it for a righteous reason, but she mistook, she assigned that reason to for George and George's her feelings for George, which is not a solid enough foundation to base. Um, you can rewind that and pause in the picture. Yeah, I'm gonna. I saw you looking at it. I think that she always did it for the right reason, for the truth, you know? Yeah. And I I personally feel that, you know, that's that's like a real life application question too, you know? There Mm -hmm. are things you have to do that you may have a, maybe what feels like a superficial reason, but there's a deeper meaning to it. And this episode, part of her character's journey is to evolve past George. Yes, it's for the feelings, spurred on for the feelings. That she has for george right it was a catalyst mm-hmm. but it's deeper than even that goes
1: yeah which definitely opens uh opens up the opportunity for her getting with lucas <laughs> uh so right now on screen if you're listening you can't see this but we are paused on the picture in martha's workshop and I'm, the more i stare at it the more i kind of see judge meadows I don't see it, man.
0: I don't see it at all. At all. I don't see it. <laughs> it just does not look like Judge Meadows to me.
1: I'm going to have to pull up a, a, a screenshot of Judge Meadows and just do a side by side afterwards and just sit here and be like, ah, are the facial features just right?
0: I think you said Judge Meadows is the only black woman we've seen in the silo aside, yeah. aside from Shirley, right?
1: True. Uh, Sandy.
0: No, Sandy is the uh, is the deputy. I'm talking about the the woman in the down deep, the mechanical. Ah, uh, okay. Um. So I, that's the only reference we have is Judge Meadows as at the moment, but I don't think that that woman looks anything like her, to be honest.
1: Well, you know, fifty years could do a lot to you.
0: <laughs> yeah, it did a lot for Martha. She looks she looks way younger in the photo, but I I feel like Meadows <laughs> looks like younger now than you know. I don't know. All right, Martha does encourage and and makes her have her change of heart and, you know, her purpose. She fills Juliet with purpose to reevaluate why she's doing what she's doing and to not Mm -hmm. quit. And it's an inspiring moment for both of their characters, right? Because Martha wanted her to quit from a motherly perspective. But even sometimes, sometimes the interest of the mother is not what's best for the child, you know, or for the silo. Yeah. And so she even thinks outside of herself and her want of... Wanting the best things for Juliet, and thinks about it and says, "No, she's being called to a higher purpose here, and what she—the work she's doing—is truly—it's ground shattering, you know."
1: Mm-hmm. I I would really love to know what crappy microphones that these people are using it just a little fan blowing is able to prevent all of this loud talking like you know they, they always start out like oh sh- they're listening let me turn this fan on and make all this rattling and then like we're, we're talking at full volume right now right up against these pans on the wall that are not suspicious at all
0: well i have a feeling that they were on to Juliet the entire time uh, That sims was the one who tipped them and so if regina was being visited by the man who knows everything which we think is the janitor Mm -hmm. Then they're probably watching her apartment now. They saw what she handed to Juliet and then they watched her get to her apartment. Yeah. That's what I personally think occurs here. I think that that fan thing doesn't make a difference at all if they got freaking cameras everywhere. Yeah, definitely not. Definitely. But then again, maybe she has sheets over her mirrors. Or maybe they have she the could. cameras at another spot that is not a mirror. You know? She
1: she could. You know, I I was saying earlier that I think that, you know, we've seen all of Regina and everything that she has to offer in the show. It it's possible that she ends up dead in the next episode. We're short a murder. Can you repeat that? I said it's possible that Regina ends up dead in the next episode. I think she's served her purpose here. She's she's handed off the, the the most valuable piece of uh, information, the most valuable relic to Juliet already. She's already kind of, you know, had her change ah. of heart here. And again, we have not had a murder in this episode. Or <laughs> so,
0: you're saying we got to keep with the trend? We're, I mean, we're you know, we're, we're
1: at this point, you know, if you string out the murders, not count which episodes they're in, we're basically, you know, we We're averaging one murder an episode for six. Yeah, because we had two murders in one of the previous episodes.
2: Mm.
0: Okay. So, maybe she dies. Go ahead. Regina admits she's a jaded lover and says George never loved her. It's a hard realization for her to occur. George truly traumatized this woman. I mean, the relics that she bought for him put her right in the middle of the crosshairs of judicial or whoever the janitorial department is is, uh, made up of. Mm -hmm. And they tortured her pretty much by blackmailing her and threatening her family for years. Yeah. Right. And she had to deal with that while George went, you know, to the down deep to continue his journey for the big answers. Right. Mm -hmm. But in doing so, she does kind of throw the the biggest monkey wrench in the series so far with this showing Juliet the thing that she says is everything. And when I first thought about this, I I put myself in Juliet's shoes. If I was Juliet or a guy in the silo just living my life and somebody shows me, like the freaking, I don't know, like just the National Geographic documentary of, it's like planet Earth. It's like, you know, Richard Attenborough or whatever yeah. his name is. Uh, Richard David. Attenborough. David Attenborough. Yeah. Uh, who, I don't know who Richard is, but. I don't know. <laughs> uh, David Attenborough's uh, like planet Earth, right? Yeah. And I'm seeing this for the first time and I thought I'd lose my mind. But then I thought about it more deeply and I was like, would you actually lose your mind or would you be filled with so much hope that there was something better outside of this dreary silo that you could possibly see one day? I mean, to them, those images might as well be heaven to them, you yeah. know? It's like a picture of a world that exists outside of their own with color and with these creatures that they've never even seen. Yeah. These people know maybe a handful of of breeds. They mentioned dogs in this episode. They mentioned... A few other creatures that we see them cooking eggs, so we know that there's chickens somewhere in this silo. I mean, yeah, we see that this, is, but it has to be limited. They don't know about the ocean. They don't know about these things, you know. And to see it has to just be revolutionary, right?
1: Yeah, I I agree. I, I don't think this is information that would make you lose your mind, but this is one thousand percent exactly what judicial and it doesn't want anybody in the silo to see because if you do see this, then you will always ask the biggest question, which is what if everything we've ever been told is a lie? And looking at those photos, if I were there, I would say I think everything that I've been told is a lie. Like if this is what exists outside, like why can't we see it? Why it
2: it truly makes you think that
0: it makes you wonder. Or understand why George was the way he was. Right. Mm hmm. We do see three names in the book Gloria, Anne, and George. So about three generations worth of of people, of Wilkins, so to speak, who passed down this um, this travel book. Mm hmm. Three generations is about
2: 140 years, right? Could be. Say everybody lived to. Uh, Sixty, yeah,
1: it could be, yeah. could be around there. It's yeah,
0: even even fifty, it could be they live to fifty. I don't know what the life expectancy is in the silo, but it seems to be a lot. It seems to be pretty old.
1: Yeah, I mean they they do seem to grow to a decent age in here.
0: Yeah, yeah, it makes you wonder how much of a rush they were in to get to the silo that this was the book that they brought with them. Yeah. M- Have you ever played fallout no fallout Fallout 3 i have not i think it's fallout 3 it's a video game it's it's like on all platforms old game now or like at least 10 years old probably and the game starts and everything happens so fast like you're ushered out of your home and you got to like run to the silo you know pretty much that's what you're an underground bunker everything happens fast so whatever you're bringing with you has got to be like whatever's probably close already in a
1: bag yeah kind of like uh the way that. that the last of us starts
0: yeah Makes you wonder. Okay. The end. The thing that everybody's talking about. If this show was shown on a major major cable network week to week, this is what everybody would be talking about at the water cooler. (laughs) The computers. The computers. The computer room and these two interesting looking gentlemen watching every screen. And there seems to be every every room in the silo controlled there. Not only that, but I paused it and I see some waveform type... um, lines across the screens. I think that this room controls everything in the silo. Lights, color of the lights, everything. Yeah. Um, and you see some batteries on the screen. So these are battery-powered screens. On the top right, you can see some bars of batteries. I mm. think that's what that means, unless that's a signal bar. Could be. Then um, you see this glass at the top of this room. And it makes me wonder, is that a window to the outside of the silo? Are they at the very top of the silo? Is is one of my thoughts there, and yeah, that's that's pretty much everything I wrote down. And I want to, after you make your comments, Zach, I want to bring up something that Dan from Sweden brought up um, in the in an email that we
1: received this morning. Okay,
0: that I found was interesting.
1: So first of all, there really is a lot of screens in here. Like it, it looks. I would venture to say there's probably like a three hundred and sixty view in here like it looks mm-hmm. like you're sitting in nasa yeah. uh just with a bunch of screens everywhere i think i have i think i read the comment earlier today um from dan and if it's what i think it is i completely agree i'll let you read it
0: yeah dan pretty much put he says did you see the monitors in the control room at the end they looked a lot more up to date than those we've seen so yes. far and that is a fantastic point and They truly do look way more updated than the IT computers Mm -hmm. or the sheriff's office or sheriff's department computers. These are legit monitors, like a very futuristic monitor-looking setup. Yeah, Um, that makes me think that they're using relic. Well, we makes it. You know, they're using relic technology for these types of screens like this. There's no TV in the in the silo.
1: No, there, there's not, and you know, I I would compare this, uh, you know, like it's it's like a flat screen TV versus those big butt monitors. What were they CR TVs or something like that? I forget the those technical old term. Antenna those old antenna monitors. Those old monitors that you used to have with your computer. I mean, even the even the TVs back then were you know those yeah. projection monitor screens.
0: I definitely think they're using relic technology, but the episode does end with. Them spying on Juliet, seeing the travel, Georgia travel book, and one of the employees says to the other, "Wake him up! It's the middle of the night. Wake him up. He needs to see this." So they are alerting somebody. the The theory is that it's Sims. We don't know for certain whether it's Sims, not or not. Maybe it's Bernard. Who knows? We don't. We don't know. We know it's a him though. We know it's a guy. Yeah.
1: Yeah. He says. Wake him up.
2: So, Meadows.
1: Say. <laughs> you know, it's if it's not Sims, it's somebody we haven't met yet.
0: I think it's either Sims or Bernard, and I'm gonna put all my money on Sims
1: if I have to bet. the house. I, I I would put all of my money on Sims. I don't think. I don't think it's it's Bernard. You know, all of yeah, these monitors easy. in there. You know, it's like yeah, maybe it could belong in IT. Right, But I, I just don't think it is. I, I think this might be what's in the janitor's room. Mm-hmm. And I think we're talking about Sims.
0: Well, it's an interesting way to leave off on episode six. And I can't wait for episode seven, which is titled The Flame Keepers. Yep. Which makes me wonder if this is that other faction that we've been thinking is there. But maybe there's two more factions. Maybe it's janitorial. And then it's maybe it's the Wanderers, so to speak, is, or the Flame Keepers, the Maybe it's the same thing, yeah. The Lucas, you know, who I think Lucas is a part of, probably.
1: The Wanderers, the Dreamers, yeah. the Flame Keepers. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's get into categories. Do you have any this week? I do. Let's start out with who is your favorite character and why?
0: Oof, there's a lot of... Uh... All right, so I think there were three characters who stole scenes in this episode. Okay. I thought... Billings stole the scene with his family. I thought that was he did a fantastic job. I think Bernard stole the scene of the big three meetup. And I think Juliet stole the scene where she's seeing the Georgia travel book for the first time. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to be indecisive and choose all three.
1: Okay. I'll be decisive and I will give this episode to Billings.
0: Okay. I think, oh, he, I get-
1: I think he did a great job. And again, I really love seeing the development of his character. I like it. I like it. Cool. Zag. Okay. Moving on to the next one. Talk about well, a re, like a
0: redemption for Billings between episode to episode here.
1: Oh, I know. But I mean,
0: Nas couldn't stand him to
1: maybe fan favorite now. I, I, he, I, he's probably still a little bad, right? I'm not going to yeah. throw that out the window and, and just be ignorant to this. He's still going to be reporting to judicial to some capacity. Yes. But I think he did a great job in this episode. Cool. Next next category is what was the best scene in the episode? It's got to be the end scene. Um, Juliet
0: reading the book and the zoom out to the mirror through the screen and the realization that the entire silo is being watched. Okay. I,
1: I do think that one was great. How was that? It was very interesting, <laughs> but I didn't I didn't write that one down. One because I thought you would pick it, and two because there was two other scenes that I I appreciated a little Hipster. more. I, I thought the last scene was Hipster. was really helping me, you know, want to watch the next episode. But yeah. um, the the two scenes that I liked a lot was the uh, the three-way meeting between Juliet, Bernard, and Sims. Oh. And then the whole scene of Billings returning home.
0: Yeah, those are two great scenes. That we, I are. mentioned
1: them, you know, I, I agree. Know. You you agree. You did, you did. Right. They're good. Any other categories? Uh, any lines of the episode That's the out? I've got one.
0: I think it's Billings when he's, uh, no, I think it's Bernard when he says, some
1: mysteries are better yep. left
0: unsolved. And that's
1: the one that's written in yeah. quotes on my notes. <laughs> hey, man. All right. Uh, all we right. Got, what is this? Nah, we already kind of touched this one. It's basically were there any standout performances or acting yeah. moments? You already touched okay. on it. It's it. it's Bernard. It's Billings. Juliet did a great job as well. If I had to pick between one of them. Billings? I'd probably still give it to Billings. Yeah. Yeah, I
0: agree. All right. How are we doing on our whiskey prop bets? If, for those who don't know, if you're, if you're listening to Silo as, our, as your first series introduction to our wonderful podcast network, we typically do this thing when we haven't watched the show before where we do some prop bets before season and we we pretty much put a list of questions and we we take a position and whoever is right or closest to being right at the end of the season the loser has to buy the winner a whiskey bottle it's a little friendly bet we both benefit from it because when i visit zach's apartment he drink i drink some whiskey and when he visits mine he drinks some whiskey so zach how are we doing am i close to getting a whiskey bottle
1: i don't think we know yet Okay, what are our so, questions? So, we have, a, we have a couple of things, well, now a few things that we have officially bet on. So, the first bet is you saying that it is green outside <laughs> and right. it is me yes. saying it is not green outside. Yeah. Well, well I, I we, we know I it's don't green know in Georgia, me, back I when don't, the magazine photos were taken.
0: It is green outside, that's confirmed, unless the whole outside is an LED wall.
1: Well, we know the screen that we're watching is we'll we'll find out. All right. I don't okay. I don't I don't think we've seen enough to know for sure. It's not looking good for you. I'll put it that way. Go ahead. For that one. Next. So so the next one is your bet the suit is poisoning them. My version of what's going on with it is the suit is manipul- manipulating what they see.
0: Okay. It ties in with both of our takes on the first one.
1: Yes. And okay. then finally the third one is the one that we got from this episode which is Julia hooking up with Lucas.
0: Oh, so that we only had two.
1: Yeah, we All only right. had two so far. Okay. So we'll probably have to get another two in there before the season ends. All
0: right, let's brainstorm some questions. If anyone else wants to put some, pose some questions for our prop bets, let us know. And we'll
1: uh, talk about it. Yeah, All right. that'll be interesting to bet on a question from an audience member.
0: All right, some a little bit of house cleaning here. Thank you for tuning in to another week of Deep Dives for Silo. I think we have 10 episodes in this season, if I'm not mistaken, so... Do believe we've got seven, eight, nine, ten. we've got four episodes to go until we're done with silo season one. and I'm a little sad that it's about to go away in four weeks, but nonetheless, you can tune into our Wednesday series of the Foundation as we go through season one, when by the time silo ends, it will literally be rolling straight into Foundation season two, which will replace our cadence of Wednesday, of Friday and Sunday episodes. You will see an instant reaction. Of foundation and a deep dive of foundation as well as another show that we're considering doing in mid-june that is premiering and i think it's all but confirmed that we will be covering this show and you'll have to tune in later this week to find out what show that is but our friend from germany may know already okay another thing we are or zach has spearheaded this weekend very much so our YouTube content. We are uploading all of our series there and we'll be tweaking as we go, but we're uploading all of Silo, all of every series we've done from Peaky Blinders, Last of Us, Lupin, and I feel like I'm missing one, Foundation, uh, on our YouTube channel. If you're interested, please subscribe. It helps us get followed. And for anyone out there who's listening still on these podcast platforms, please follow, subscribe and rate us five stars. It really helps keep our um, discoverability up and help us get out there as an independently owned podcast network. And if you want to support us, we are including our Spotify support page, and we will soon be adding a PayPal support link on our show notes for any, anyone out there who would like to support and uh, support the production of these episodes. And lastly, this is a question that I didn't prime for Zach and I didn't say I was going to put out there, but we are going to revamp our video approach. All of these episodes are video recorded. We are in the future going to be re-releasing everything as video podcast. No determined deadline date on that yet, but it's coming soon this year probably. And in doing so, we want to experiment with some live streams. If you are interested in the idea of tuning into a live stream type podcast recording, let us know. Contact us at contact And if you didn't hear that well, you can go to the show notes. Our email will be in there. Let us know what you think. Let us know what type of content you would love to see on this channel. Thank you. That was a lot of house uh, cleaning. But Zach,
1: you're the outro maestro. You take it from here. I will. It was a lot of cleaning, but the house is now clean. Thank you for listening to this episode of silo by story archives, the number one podcast for silo by Apple TV. You can find this podcast anywhere you find podcasts, Apple, Spotify, and Google podcasts. Again, we are now on YouTube, so you can take a look at us there. Hit that subscribe button. You can also visit our website at soapbox.house and contact us at contact at House. So, Hopefully, we'll see some uh, some mail from you soon. Awesome. All right. Thank you all for tuning
0: in. See you on Wednesday for Foundation and Friday to find out who the Flame Keepers are on our next instant reaction of Silo. Take care. Have a great week.